You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Well, they got, honestly, I don't know what they were seeing there. I could see it from my couch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> I, I was listening on the radio and I could tell. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Cura and Brazilian Thai just acknowledging uh, that this week, Remembrance Day, the 100th anniversary that uh, Canada has used the poppy as its symbol of remembrance. So I encourage you to look around your community, see what is going on for Remembrance Day. Who knows? It might be, it depending on where you are, the same kind of situation as last year where a lot of it is virtual and that sort of thing. But yes, Remembrance Day, uh, we will remember them. Let's uh, go on with the podcast here. This episode is brought to you by ATB. And ATB has a feature called ATB Cares. It's really amazing if you donate to your favorite charities through atb cares they allow you to donate but you also have your donation matched by atb to further your impact atb is going to match 20 percent of every dollar donated to alberta non-religious charities to an annual limit of three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. eligible charities may receive up to five thousand dollars in matching Per year, and individual donations qualify for a maximum donation match of $500. Donors automatically will receive those electronic tax receipts. Visit atbcares.com. Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, the first game of the week, Ty, is a big one. We we pretty much are in playoff football right now. At least it's going to have that sort of atmosphere at BMO Field as the Toronto Argonauts are, last time I checked, one-point favorites over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The over-under set at 45. It's another one of those things where they should have just set this game as a pick 'em, Ty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that's fair. I, like, How do you set a spread? As a whole number. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's dumb. It's dumb. Now now you're just inviting the push. Yeah, absolutely. Both teams coming in. Uh, it's. It, I mean, it's hard to talk down Toronto because they've won. But the last two games were really ugly. They, they won on missed kicks by Jimmy Camacho of BC. Then they won mm-hmm. on uh, missed kicks by Lewis Ward from Ottawa. Hamilton, on the other hand, after starting the season 0-2, they've gone 7-3. and Three of... Actually, those three losses were by a combined score of five. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of paints the picture a little bit. At the beginning of the year, it kind of looked like, ooh, Hamilton's not gonna. They don't look like the Grey Cup team 
uh, of, of 2019, the team that made it all the way there, the team that dominated the East, but they're coming on at right the perfect time. So going into Toronto Friday night, <laughs> the battle of the QEW, it's going to be quite the battle, man. Yeah, and both teams with lots to play for. I think that's not exactly yeah. what we expected. Uh, you know, I think we kind of thought Hamilton would be home and cooled off by this point in the season, but their slow start kind of it leads to more meaningful games in late in the year. And I'm I am here for it. The Argos are undefeated at home, so they do have that to their mm-hmm. advantage, um, and they have made some signings to improve some depth here. Wide receiver Josh Huff just recently cut by the Calgary Stampeders. Where else would he go other than Calgary East? So now he is a -hmm. member of the Toronto Argonauts. He joins a whack of former Calgary Stampeders in Charleston Hughes, Cordero Law, who had a great game last week, Eric Rogers, Jawan Breskison, Devaris Daniels. Josh Huff is going to see a lot of familiar faces in that Toronto locker room. Yeah, it's not that big of a move, really. No. (laughs) He knows half the roster. Yeah, it's just uh, changing the clock. That's basically all that he has to do. But they've also made another key signing in American offensive lineman Thaddeus Coleman. Uh, Toronto has dealt with some real injury issues at the offensive line as of late. It's, It's started to affect the protection of McLeod Bethel Thompson. But Thaddeus Coleman makes it the third offensive lineman that was protecting Cody Fajardo in Saskatchewan in 2019 to sign in Toronto. He joins Philip Blake. He joins Darius Bladek. There you go. Three guys that played together in 2019. Who knows if Coleman is sort of just an insurance signing right now, but people in Saskatchewan have kind of been calling for the signing of Coleman Basically, since the beginning of the year, seeing the struggles yeah. <laughs> along the offensive line in Regina, and surprise, surprise, the Argos make the signing. I'm more surprised that he was still available. Like, you look at Ottawa, who is a revolving door at offensive line, the troubles that Saskatchewan's had, BC. Uh, I'm sure he comes. He doesn't come cheap, uh, but the fact that there is still an offensive lineman that, you know, is a household name really and has done the job well uh in his career it was still available this late in the year like it, i don't understand how teams didn't get this done earlier like if, yeah if you're a rider fan you got to be pretty choked <laughs> i'm wondering if he just didn't want to play or you know <laughs> that's that's possible too yeah when an offensive lineman especially a veteran guy you know gets a year off <laughs> that's going to be tempting yeah, it's pretty sweet <laughs> Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Just ask the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Not to feel like you got hit by a bus. Well, you literally did get hit by a bus, you know, a uh, hundred times yeah. a week <laughs> for your professional football career. And when that doesn't happen, it's probably tempting to keep it that way. Well, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Argos do at running back. DJ Foster has been back practicing in full. He missed last week. A.J. Ouellette ended up coming in and filling in for the injured John White, who, uh, as of recording, he hasn't had the imaging done on his knee yet. We'll see if he gets to play again this season. I hope he does. He's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career, but he's 
definitely mm-hmm. not going to be playing this week. Dexter McCoyle is doubtful that he'll be playing. And uh, Peter Nicastro, who's been starting at offensive line for the Argos all year, Dinwiddie says he's itching to play. They don't want to lose him longer, so they'll they'll keep him out to keep it from getting worse there. But Mm -hmm. I think Dinwiddie has learned a a bit from the Mike O'Shea school of injury reporting. You can't really believe what he says. No. No, you you don't want to be giving away trade secrets. Um, One thing Mike O'Shea didn't teach him was clock management. (laughs) And you know what? He's made a couple really obvious mistakes in the last few weeks. There was Mm -hmm. the clock management issue against BC. And last week, a bizarre challenge that really affected nothing. And it actually looked like an absolutely terrible challenge because (laughs) it it basically just looked like a waste of throwing the flag. So he's been kind of struggling the last few weeks. And when it comes down to playoff football... Those those coaching mistakes they add up fast, man. Yeah, ask Jason Moss when like how many right. mistakes did he make in Edmonton in the playoffs? I, I mean, I get you could argue field goal versus touchdown all day till you're blue in the face, but they didn't win, and it was because of coaching decisions. So, and I mean execution too. But like you said, yeah, they add up in the playoffs, and if he's if he starts if he keeps going the way that, if he keeps making these same mistakes, they're not only do they add up, they're going to be amplified. Exactly. Because you only get you don't get a chance to fix it next week. Right? You you better you better be right. You can be wrong on a challenge, but you can't challenge something that you know you're going to lose. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I honestly I don't know what they were seeing there. I could see it from my couch. Mm-mm. So uh. <laughs> I I was listening on the radio and I could tell. <laughs> Uh, the the Cats for the most part are are getting healthy at the exact perfect mm-hmm. time. Um, th- there's a lot of teams now that are dealing with with more and more injuries, but the Cats kind of did it in reverse, and that's the smart way to do it. Uh, start with your injuries in July, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then when they're good to go, and then for you the basically playoffs. have then you basically have two <laughs> trade deadlines because you start getting people back. Yeah. It's absolutely not only is everybody perfect. coming back; they're they're starting to play really good football too. That like too. They're, they're, they're peaking. Everybody's getting healthy again. Like it, they're they could be dangerous. Yeah, it was. I, the the biggest issue was the offensive line. I think just about anybody in Hamilton will tell you that. And now uh, Van Zyl has been back <clears throat> for a while, and they've just been playing really well together, and that's made mm-hmm. a world of difference with uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's been playing basically the football of his life. He's almost a lock to throw for a couple touchdowns and 300 yards. He hasn't been turning the ball over as well, and (laughs) that's key. And uh, it looks like they're going to be able to go into this week with pretty much the same offensive line that they went with last week. Jesse Gibbon has been limited at practice with the ankle injury we'll see see if he's good to go but the big one is the running game man they're a completely different team when they're giving the Mm -hmm. ball off to the running back and don jackson has been running like a madman it's it's the renaissance it's the don jackson renaissance uh you know he signs in hamilton and everybody just kind of figures well that's it 
Yeah. Because yeah. they don't run the football. And then he comes out these last two weeks or this last week and, you know, they're, they, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say they've completely changed, but, you know, they've, they're starting to commit to it a little more and it's working. Uh, it's helping, you know, anything like it, it helps with your passing game because you're not getting pressured on every play. Like t- defenses were able to just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback against Hamilton because they never ran the football. And now, now you have this. Now you have this new wrinkle uh, in the offense uh, that is no secret that a successful running game usually leads to success um, in football. And I don't know why it took them so long to get this memo, but uh, you know, if they're if they're going to run the football and that and, and keep Masoli up upright and healthy, like I mean, I just don't see. I, I just don't see how they lose football games from here on out. If this is going to be how they're going to run their offense. It's going to be an intense game at BMO Field. The battle for first place in the East Division. The Argos, Mm -hmm. uh, they've won two out of the three games so far. But if Hamilton wins this one, they will have the point differential here. The Ticats have given up the second least points in the CFL. We all know who number one is. But the Ticats have given up 210 points. Ty, any guesses to how many points the Bombers have given up? <laughs> uh, 160. 147. <laughs> oh. In 12 games. Uh, and now take away take away the fourth quarter points. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, 141. Wow. Right? Like, it's like, it's, man. Absolutely ridiculous! What? Imagine uh, if they were a normal team that was full of humans and not alien mutants that are <laughs> unreal at football. <laughs> like if they if they would if they were human and they would allow points in the fourth quarter, then it wouldn't look so right. Exactly, absolutely daunting to play them. Exactly. But they, you you get down against Winnipeg, you might as well just pack it in. Friday night doubleheader, the second half is the BC Lions, two-and-a-half-point underdogs as they host the Calgary Stampeders, over-under set at 45-and-a-half here, and this is going to have some intensity in this game as well because the Calgary Stampeders, it's basic. Win and you clinch the playoffs. BC's desperate. Win and your Mm -hmm. hopes stay alive for at least one more week, but... The Lions have just went on a skid here, and it, it wasn't too long ago. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about them having a shot at not only the Western playoffs, but having a shot at at a home playoff game in the West, mm-hmm. and it just fell apart. And last week, they, they did try to run the ball. More with James Butler. He had double-digit carries. He did have a touchdown. They didn't have all that much success doing it, but they tried. <laughs> and it may, maybe part of it yeah. was the communication problems, and they just okay, we just got to run the ball here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Michael Riley did play well against the, the Cats defense, and he's going to have to be even better against Calgary here, but the Lions have lost one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. It seemed to all fall apart when they lost to Saskatchewan in late September, and they just haven't been the same team since. But 
Calgary coming off and the no bye. Kickers. <laughs> Calgary coming off the bye. That's not a good position for the Lions to be in right now. No, you give that team and that coaching staff two weeks to prepare. Uh, you're in for a real treat when you hit the field. Yeah. They just always have their guys as prepared mm-hmm. as possible. And it, it it's tough to play them right off that bye. And they've got Reggie Bagleton. Uh, is he going to be playing this week? I, I'm not exactly sure. But... It's not like he's unfamiliar with playing with Bo Levi Mitchell. And now Bo's no. got very familiar faces in the receiving core. Reggie Bagleton, Kamar Jordan, they're big guys. They can <laughs> they they can make things happen all over the field and just in time for the playoffs here. Bagleton's going to be a, a very big deciding factor I think going forward. Yeah, I mean he comes in, he's already got that built-in chemistry with Bo. Uh, it's not, he's not going to disrupt a lot in the room because, I mean, he's been there. Uh, they just keep adding guys. And, you know, they like you said, they went in there in. They still got a shot at a home playoff game, I believe. So, I mean, they're going to come out. And I, I think I, I think two and a half points is generous for BC. Um, like, Calgary's... Every team's defense, you know, if you can hold a team to a field goal, you're 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 in good shape usually. Uh, with the Lions, if you hold them to a field goal attempt, you're probably winning that football game because they're going to miss the majority of them. So, <laughs> am I wrong? That's uh, that's a perfect segue because they've brought in yet another kicker to yeah. compete this week with the guys already there. Bailey Hale has been signed. And at the beginning of the year, Jimmy Camacho went 10 for 10. Well, mm-hmm. the next 10, he only connected on four of them. <laughs> so they, yeah. they, they bring in uh, another guy in Nick Vogel. He did go two for two on field goals in the loss to Hamilton, but missed on the converts. <laughs> so yeah, like, they bring in another kicker and the kicking at times this they just season want consistency yeah even in winnipeg that that has been the the achilles yep. heel that really hasn't come back to bite them yet well no because they have an mop as a quarterback so i mean they can outplay their kicker and, and score touchdowns yeah yeah god i never thought i'd say that again that Caleros is a MOP candidate. I can't wait until he's voted the guy. Can't wait. Oh, he has to be. He's lost one game as Winnipeg starter. Is it going to be Zach Caleros versus William Stanback? Maybe. I'm trying to think of the East. You could argue. You, could, you Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Masoli missed time. You can't give it to anybody in Toronto. Maybe if Mazzoli, if these last two games, if he turns out to be, you know, playing, he's like got to he go off. Been. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. I, I saw in an article that the the Argos MOP might actually be Boris Beatty. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, it's hard Ottawa to deny. Do? <laughs> 
Well, can it be Lewis Ward anymore? It's well, it's got to be no. Devontae. Deadman. Is it Richie? Is it Richie Leone? <laughs> it's Deadman versus Leone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Winnipeg's going to have a decision to make between McGuire and Kalaros. Yeah. Maybe they'll put him in as a tandem. Like, uh, what's that uh, award in the NHL? The fantasy tandem. Yeah. Oh, the Jennings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yes, fantasy. Oh man, R.I.P. You could pick. I miss. Team I miss the day. I miss the days of being able to draft team quarterbacks. Yeah, that, that was that was a genius move by those cats. Uh, Danny Austin with the Calgary Sun. He, he put this stat out there: the Stampeders since Labor Day have allowed 212 passing yards per game. That actually beats Winnipeg's season-long average. To put it in perspective, before Labor Day, the Stamps were giving up 313 yards a game through the air. They were the worst in the CFL. They lose on Labor Day, and it just was a wake-up call for them. So thanks, Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Edmonton right now, like if you if you if you lose the Elks, it's got to be a wake up call. Um, <laughs> but I mean, when they lost, I mean Trevor Harris was still there. Edmonton played a really good game, but you look at the teams that they've played. Like I mean, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, BC, Saskatchewan again. I mean, Ottawa is really the only soft part of that stretch of games, and to to put up the defensive numbers like that against. The likes of Fajard, like those offenses are pass heavy in BC and Saskatchewan, uh, and and Hamilton too. Like I mean, for them to to allow only two hundred and twelve over that stretch is is amazing. All this being said, do you know who, who has the most passing yards in the CFL? Which team? Hmm. It can't be Edmonton. It's Calgary. Okay, that's yeah. Wow. <laughs> we all know Ottawa's last. Second last well, is uh, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Seventh but, I mean, you look, Jake Hamilton. Mayer had three straight games at 300 yards, right? He did. He did. They're only beating the Lions by, it's like 29 yards or, or something like that on the season. Mm -hmm. Which, man. <laughs> what does Ottawa have? Ottawa, <laughs> they're averaging 196.3 passing yards a game. Oh, my God. That franchise is folding. <laughs> 2,552 passing yards <laughs> on the season. I'd have to look. Devontae Dedman might have more yards than they have passing. <laughs> oh, my God. And he missed I'm on the, the site right now. I'm checking it. <laughs> <laughs> so this game at BC Place is critical, and uh, just like Dave Dickinson said, the Stamps have to be in playoff mode. Every single game counts yeah. right now, and the remaining games they have, unless they make to the make it to the Grey Cup, they're all Western teams: BC, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. That are the mm -hmm. those are the opponents laid out there. For the Calgary Stampeders, of course, if they win this game uh, to clinch that playoff spot and go through the Western playoffs in Regina and in Winnipeg. And, I mean, if you can win in both of those stadiums, yeah, you deserve to go to the Grey Cup because <laughs> playoff atmosphere, those stadiums this time of the year, not going to be an easy road to the Grey Cup. No. Um, you know, and like you said, Calgary – controls your own destiny so 
they they went out and they're playing all division games and they can get that home playoff game. That's going to be a huge advantage mm-hmm. instead of having to go into Regina. Like, did you find Devonte Deadman's uh, all-purpose yards? I, I'm adding it up right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, what did Ottawa, what does Ottawa have for passing yards? Twenty five hundred and fifty two yards. All purpose yards. Devontae Dedman has two thousand seventy. Wow. They have not even five hundred yards more passing than Devontae Dedman, and Dedman has missed a couple games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why aren't they throwing Dude. to this guy on offense? <laughs> I he, I don't know. <laughs> I, his, he has he has 1137 yards of kick, just kickoff returns. Wow. Well, and it is critical. They uh he's got to five return touchdowns quicker than Gizmo Williams did. Now, mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure if he has as much return touchdowns called back as Gizmo did. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like 28 or something crazy like that. Which Man, is ridiculous. It's absolutely asinine. The fact that... Great, great word. <laughs> yeah, that he's had that many plays called back due to penalty. Man. That's a lot of yards called back <laughs> on a penalty. Uh-huh. BC, Calgary, it's a Western showdown Friday night in Vancouver with a, a playoff spot on the line for both teams. All right. With Saturday, we got a doubleheader here. Montreal Alouettes, eight-point underdogs against the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with the over-under set at 44 and a half. Ty, I just got to wonder if that eight-point spread is something to jump on right now. Uh, Before I, the Bombers' uh, depth chart comes out? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've seen some media members out of Winnipeg kind of saying that their gut feeling is that Sean McGuire is going to get the start this week for the Bombers. They uh, they didn't practice Tuesday. They had a close practice at oh, and I'm just seeing this right now as we are recording. Sean McGuire starting at quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this weekend in Montreal. and my fantasy team. There you go. What is he? Five thousand dollars. Yep, I put him in because I'm like, wow, well, he's going to vulture some touchdowns for sure, and now he's going to get some passing yards to boot. So I'll take it. And I got him while his price is still cheap. Obviously, they do want to protect Zach Caleros going into the playoffs. Still, yep. he's only lost one start as a bomber. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> which which is crazy. We'll see if... Well, and it's really hard to say because, you know what? The bombers came out flying out of the gates at the beginning of the season. So are, are these couple weeks going to really hurt them and force them to be rusty. I'm not a hundred percent convinced of that. I, I, I just don't know if this is a team that's going to be uh, feeling the rust with a few weeks off. That being said, if, if Kolaros doesn't play until the West final, 
that is almost a month off of uh, of of playing no football and maybe just practicing here and there. So if Kalaros isn't playing, you can bank that Andrew Harris won't be playing. Uh, we'll see if Jamarcus Hardrick will get back into the lineup, but I'm I'm guessing that they're going to be resting him as well. So man. Is this just a Montreal game where they they go out and beat the Winnipeg backups? It might just be that. It's completely completely possible. Um, you know, they want to. The Bombers don't want to have you know guys resting in the last game of the season and have two weeks off before going into West Final. Um, so it makes the most sense that, you know, they're going to sit guys now. And that's what I said last week. You, you want to run it like you would uh, in a normal, with a normal schedule where you'd have, you know, only one bye week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't have two in a row. So I think that's what they're doing. And at the same time, it keeps guys, you know, healthy and everything and ready for the playoffs. And yeah, it kind of, I mean, they're holding cooled off. They're, they're not playing for anything. There's no point in running guys out there that don't need to be, uh, putting their body in harm's way to uh, win, a, win a football game that isn't going to help them. Well, you know, last week... And they I w- just put $100 on the Alouettes. Oh. <laughs> so that means On the money Winnipeg. line, because it, it was plus 325. <laughs> that means pick Winnipeg. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so Winnipeg, they clinched the undefeated season at home last week. So you know that meant a lot to them. Now they're on the road in Montreal. Next week they're in Calgary. You know they don't want to tip their hat. Buck Pierce has probably got some uh, plays up the sleeve that he's going to be saving for the playoffs. Doesn't want the riders of the Stampeders mm-hmm. to see any of that stuff. They're going to be watching old tape by the time uh, they go to Winnipeg for the West Final. So yeah, there you go. We got an opportunity here for the Alouettes. Uh, they have a I was reading the playoff scenarios. It was something like a 12% chance at still having a home playoff game in Montreal. And there there's actually one scenario where there could be a three-way tie for the top spot in the East. <laughs> oh now, my god. Montreal can't finish first due to tiebreakers and all that, but they could they could if everything falls into place, host the playoff game. So, yeah, they're going to want to get out there and win this one. Matt Schiltz wasn't practicing on Tuesday. Trevor Harris, I mean, for a first start, only being a few weeks in that offense, did not have Mm -hmm. a bad game against Winnipeg. No. So, I mean, another week in the offense, playing at home, probably not going to be he's probably going to hopefully improve on that yeah and i mean the playbook will probably open up a little bit more for him too uh i'm, I'm guessing that he didn't have a full complement of that because i mean that's really tough to get everything together in such a short time uh so i mean the film that the bombers would have uh yeah it's usable but i mean there's probably going to be new plays that they haven't seen uh, trevor harris run yet Stuff like that, but I mean, he's a veteran. He's been around. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's it's not the hardest thing for him to you know jump in again. Um, I think 
it's just once he gets playing, I think it's it's just going to be it'll make it way easier. It's way easier to play than just sit there and try to learn. Uh, it's better to learn on the fly. William Stanback had 16 carries last week against the Bombers, but mm-hmm. in the in the second half, it was something like he only had five carries. I'm going to guess that this week they're going to go with Stanback all game long and uh, mm-hmm. just pound whoever Winnipeg has out there. That has uh, become uh, the the trademark of the Alouette offense as of late. Uh, looks like they're, they're going to be without starting guard Philippe Gagnon. And also, Martise Jackson could actually return to the lineup here at, at kick returner. He did come back a few weeks ago and had to leave with a concussion. Yep. It does appear he will be good to go here. Well, and it's been a revolving door for the Owls at kick returner since he's left. Yeah, so. ever since Mario Alford got hurt, it's uh, yeah, it's it's been the position they've been definitely trying to figure out there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so yeah, getting getting a guy like Marquis Jackson back into your lineup, uh, basically just a more or less turn into a return specialist. Really, that's yeah, basically that's kind of all that he does. Uh, gives you some. Uh, quality at that position because you need it. Like you can't be starting drives uh, backed up in your own territory all the time. He's able to break big plays and and give this team a chance to to have a shorter drive length. Like I mean, they're not having to drive the ball a hundred yards. I'd rather drive a ball seventy five yards for a touchdown. Uh, you know, and save save some offense for uh, later on in the game when you might need it. Now. Uh... I know you'll appreciate this, Ty, just uh, mentioning the big news out of Winnipeg. I can't wait. <laughs> the big news out of Winnipeg this week. <laughs> uh, Bob Irving uh, took over as the voice of the team in 1974. Over 800 games called after this season. Except for Grey Cups. Right. He is uh, retiring Sucker. as the voice <laughs> of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Congratulations to Bob Irving on a great career. I know Brazilian Ty will miss you. Yeah. I I do I do appreciate like the fact that he's done 800 games. Like that is Dude. That's amazing. Like I, I don't think I'll ever crazy. have one job for that long. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Like it, I don't know if you'll ever I don't know if you'll get to 800 Rock of the Wests. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so either, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's just, he's just said some stupid stuff that I just can't believe that he says stuff like that. Like just old white man yells at cloud. <laughs> hey, he's in his seventies, man, and he doesn't want to get on the plane anymore and go to games. I don't blame him. Uh, I don't blame him one I, bit. I'm 33 and I don't want to get on planes. Now I'm wondering if I should uh, hand in my resume. Do you think uh, the the fans in Winnipeg would accept me? <laughs> Dude, you have a Canadian Mafia t-shirt. That's true. That basically makes me an honorary you, Manitoban. You weren't trying to fight anybody at Labor Day. That was me and your brother. Man. <laughs> I don't... I don't you were the voice could, of reason. I don't think I could go to Regina cheering for Winnipeg. I don't. Well, I mean, if they're paying my bills, maybe. Hey, there's, <laughs> there's no cheering in the press box. That's true. <laughs> How many great cups did he call? I actually don't know. 
I know he hasn't called the last couple. Well, because I just don't know when the the national broadcast rights took broadcast, over. Broadcast, yeah, yeah, for for TSN. He might have called 2007 when they lost to Saskatchewan. I know he did not in 2019, and we'll we'll see what happens this year. But yeah, I, I he's he's not going to call it this year. I think we know that, which is <laughs> well, hilarious. Well, I mean, if because uh, everybody's going to get pissed off again for nothing. If they lose, there's no. They don't. They, they don't understand how. Yeah, the, the, people are going to get pissed off because they don't understand how broadcast rates work. <laughs> <laughs> the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, ten and a half point favorites, as uh, the Edmonton Elks visit Regina now. Forty-four, the over/under set here. This is the start of the. This June is the last stretch. game Edmonton has a chance to win. Right, it's the doom stretch for the Elks, and mm-hmm. Saskatchewan wants to win because they want to host uh, uh, the West semifinal. Yep. At Mosaic Stadium. But when you look at Edmonton, you just have to think that they would want all of their players available here because mm-hmm. they've got the three games in seven days. But James Wilder Jr. not practicing, Justin Renfro, Darrell Walker limited at practice, Terry Williams not practicing, Mike Jones receiver not practicing, Jordan Hoover not practicing. Like, man. I don't know if some of this is rest or if some of this is is actual injuries happening right now, but mm-hmm. you have to think they would want all of these guys available. I, I don't know how they're going to manage this. I, I've read their Thanks. itinerary. It, it looks like there's going to be no practices, obviously. Um, they're going to go to Regina. They're going to play the game. The next day they're going to have physiotherapists, all sorts of training. They're going to fly to Toronto. They're gonna, they're gonna get their My treatment God. after the game there, and then they fly to Vancouver. So this—that's the thing. These aren't. There isn't one home game mixed in here. They're all on the road. Yeah. This is absolutely. Well, even if there was a home game terrible. mixed in, it would be like a road game anyway. Like you fly in, play, and you got to fly back out. So yeah, I don't know if that makes that big of a difference other than you get to sleep in your own bed, maybe. Man. This is rough for them. Marshall Ferguson <laughs> tweeting out this tat, this stat. Uh, Darrell Walker, 75 targets on the season, no touchdowns. Danny mm-hmm. Vandervoort, four targets on the season, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I'm guessing that a few of these veterans are going to get into at least part of of one or two of these games just for absolute yeah. necessity uh, to try and give guys yeah. a break here. And I think that that Tuesday game next week is going to be an absolute, absolute gong show. I think so. Uh, Nick Arbuckle, he, he's been practicing with the twos and threes. So I'm guessing he's going to get oh, some in-game reps. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if they're going to have a choice here. But but that's the thing when it comes to the playoffs here for the BC Lions. Like, they could beat Calgary. And then they've got to play Edmonton in the third game of their doom trip. Yeah, like, it, it's set up for them. 
of course, Calgary it. would need to, to, to beat or to lose, lose to a yeah. backup Winnipeg Blue Bomber team next weekend in Calgary. Oh, which, no. The starters yeah. are playing next week for the Bombers. You think so? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, BC better win on Friday night then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like Saskatchewan. But I, I just don't understand like how the CFL thought this was a good idea. Uh, I think we both know that it's the PA not wanting their guys to lose out on a paycheck. But yeah. this is this is not good. No. There's like, been a <laughs> lot of complaining about the quality of football that we've seen this season. And oh, we're just getting started gonna, here. This is going to be the worst football you've ever watched. And I watched I watched the Barons beat Wainwright 70 to nothing <laughs> in high school. Like this is gross. Like this isn't this I'm sorry, but this is this is an absolute joke. Like I get that, yeah, you don't want guys to lose on their paycheck. You also don't – the league doesn't want to lose out on the gate. The teams don't want to lose out on the gate. It's it's bad luck if you have to cancel an entire game, uh, right? And especially with, uh, you know, a team like Toronto who's playing for a playoff – or not playing for a playoff spot, but, you know, trying to, to get a home playoff game. So, like, they, what do you do? Like, I, I – do you give just give Edmonton a loss and give Toronto a win because now you're gonna piss off Hamilton and Montreal? Like it, it's kind of everybody's fault. But three games in seven days, there's no way. Like this doesn't make any sense. Well, that's the thing. Like Toronto also has to play Friday and Tuesday. And yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, kind it's not of, just Edmonton that's getting punished. Like I don't know what kind of gate there's gonna be at BMO Field on a Tuesday. Tuesday night, yeah. With the Edmonton Elks coming to town, I I just think that the the CFL probably guaranteed it would almost be guaranteed win night if Toronto didn't have to play Friday. Right, right. I, I just think that the CFL spoke really big at the beginning of the year that if you have uh, mm-hmm. COVID issues and your team is not above the eighty five percent threshold, that your game is in a good chance of getting canceled and you're not getting paid. And now it just seems like a bluff, and Edmonton called them on I, the bluff. I think that's I think that's one hundred percent what it was. It was optics. Yeah, if, if you really meant what you said, just cancel the game. And yeah, at this point, what does it matter? Especially with Edmonton and, and their point in the standings, and there was no buffer. Mm-hmm buffer week at the end of the season like we've seen other weeks do and i guess that would push yep. the gray cup to boxing day in hamilton or whatever <laughs> but i'm the- sorry but i if 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 gray cup is on boxing day i'm watching guaranteed win night for team canada over the gray cup <laughs> or i'm watching two tvs i'm just saying there there were no there were no buffers built there no, in there was here. no contingency plan no. It was just we're gonna take we're we're just gonna you know give you the loss, right? But they they didn't live they didn't live up to it. They should have been handed the loss, uh, but yeah, I mean easy to 
easy for me to say when there are a couple guys, you know, making the minimum in the CFL. And, hey, they, they yeah, might have been vaccinated. And they, and they would. And if they're vaccinated, like, how pissed are you to lose, you know, yeah. game check? Because, yeah, no I get that. Kidding. Man, just absolutely uh, a rough stretch for them. So <laughs> here's the thing. Saskatchewan needs to get their poop in a group, though. Like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> last week, beating Edmonton by two points, and I, I know you're playing a desperate Edmonton team. Some some teams are playing for their jobs, and they don't want to go the yeah, whole season winless in Edmonton. But I don't care how desperate the Elks are. There's no way you should only be beating them by two points if you're Saskatchewan. I agree. Now you're second in the and West. You're playing at home. And yeah. You need you to, have to really win. Destroy this them. I yeah. think so. You got to leave no doubt. You got to leave no doubt. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, it's, it's Saskatchewan's actual first home game in a month. So yeah. they've also been on the road quite a bit. Now they're at home and uh, they get to get used to being at home for a little bit here. And uh, they want to stay mm-hmm. home for the playoffs here. So they really need to. Uh, lay the boots to Edmonton here and really uh, prove that, (laughs) well, it's all about preparing for Winnipeg. And if we see the Saskatchewan team from last week, they're not prepared for Winnipeg. So so I put no weight in the CFL power rankings. There's no way Saskatchewan should be number two. I know you can't, not supposed to critique a win, but holy. I would put Hamilton at number two. I don't even look at the Mm -hmm. rankings, to be honest, but... Uh, they just show up on my Twitter feed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are what your record says you are, but man, Saskatchewan's season hasn't been that great. Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge. I am uh, limping through the season. I am up against uh, Joe Pritchard <laughs> from uh, the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Uh, w- what's your lineup looking like this week? Um, Weird. Very weird. Uh, Sean McGuire, <laughs> William Stanback, James Butler, Kenny Lawler. Uh, but again, that's probably going to change. Uh, yeah. David Ungerer, Ricardo Louis, and the Calgary Stampeders uh, defense. All right. So I uh, I wanted to get Jeremiah Mazzoli in there. He cost me a pile oh, of cash. So you couldn't. So you couldn't put anybody else in. <laughs> so I put Johnny Augustine at running back. Just a mm. gut feeling. Uh, and he's only thirty six hundred dollars. Uh, he got more carries yeah. than Brady Oliver. No, he had two less carries than Oliveira last week, but had more yards. So we'll see what they do mm-hmm. now. Uh, Don Jackson, uh, I like the way he's been playing. Uh, Toronto actually has given up the most yards per carry on the ground, so I'll throw him in there. Uh, pairing up Stephen Dunbar with Mazzoli. Shaq Evans, I got him there. Reggie White Jr., I'm picking him again. He got me a touchdown last week against the Bombers, yep. so I hope he can do that again. I got the Ticats defense and $816 left over, so that 800 bucks is tempting me, Ty. Well, I don't I, I don't know where you put it. <laughs> well, I know. That's that's the thing. How much money did you have? Uh, like a thousand one hundred and nineteen, but I just took out Kenny Lawler. Oh, okay, okay. So now I'm down to nine hundred and nineteen. I put in Eugene Lewis. Oh. Hmm. All right, Ty. Uh, who are you picking to win the games this week? 
I am going Hamilton, Calgary, Montreal, Saskatchewan. Hamilton, Calgary, Montreal, Saskatchewan. Hey, th- that sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the away parlay on Friday and the home parlay on Saturday. Nice. That hundred bucks on Montreal. What does it pay out, by the way? Four hundred and twenty-five. Ooh. Well, I guess three hundred and twenty-five, but right with your your bet back is four twenty-five. Good luck to you. I uh, I might be seeing some angry uh, text messages on Saturday. <laughs> oh, more than likely, yes. <laughs> With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Book Women. Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. There it is. The latest episode of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Week 15 is here. Playoffs are only a few weeks away. Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.